Blog Talk Radio. Stevie B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler, you're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Good evening, wherever you're on the world listening to this radio broadcast. Stevie B's Media Production presents the Gospel Light Radio Show. I'm your host this evening, Stevie R. Butler. And this radio show is being broadcast from Stevie B Media Production at the Carolina Studio in the great state of North Carolina with my co-host, Glenn McMillian from the state of Texas, Dr. Frank Washington Jr. from the state of Florida, Stanley Hubbard from the state of Indiana, Clay Phillips from the state of Georgia, Steve Cordo from the state of Illinois, Robert Lee Johnson from the state of Florida, Yusuf Al Ford from the state of Indiana, and Brian Christian Coleman from the state of New Jersey. Ladies and gentlemen, we are just grateful for the privilege to bring your program where we as Christians and members of the Churches of Christ can share our faith and preach and teach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ on a weekly basis. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give us a call to the live show at 713 955 zero five zero eight or you can go to the blog talk radio website and listen to the show live there you will find this show on page one of that website this evening you will consistently find this show on pages one through four of that website isn't that a blessing oh yes it is if you have any questions or comments any of my co-hosts you can send your emails to my new email address butler steve one zero zero nine at yahoo.com or you can call stevie b media production at the carolina studio at nine one zero four nine one six four now, again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ. And if you need any assistance in locating the congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, get out your Bibles and sit along with us here on the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Before we go into our program for this evening, I would ask that you would bow with me in a word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving, heavenly Father, the Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day and placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we are prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine word. Father, we pray that you will be my co-host on the show this evening, Stanley Hubbard and Clay Phillips, as they break into our listeners, the bread of life. And also my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington Jr., who will be answering the questions that are on the hearts of so many. We pray that 
You'll continue to bless their families that support their efforts. They may continue to sow the seed of the kingdom. Father, we pray that you will be with our listeners who are tuning in via blog talk radio as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well, that they may consider their eternal stance before you and that their hearts may be pricked. And it will cause them to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, we thank you so much for sending the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We're just so grateful for his sacrifice on Calvary's cross. For without such a sacrifice, we will not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now, we ask you to forgive us for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak, and we often fall short of thy will. Father, we pray that you will continue to bless us and keep us in love us all the days of our lives. And if we have been faithful until death, Father, we pray that you will save us. For it's in Christ's name we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. In the first segment of the broadcast, my co-host Stanley Hubbard, he serves as an evangelist for the Kingsley Terrace Church of Christ there in Indianapolis, Indiana. He'll be making this proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And in the second segment, we have a question from my social media platform on Facebook called Shout It Out. And we'll be posing this question to my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington Jr. He serves with the West Broward Church of Christ there in Plantation, Florida. And then to close out the show, my co-host Clay Phillips, he serves as evangelist for the Rose City, Rose City Church of Christ there in Thomasville, Georgia. And he'll be making this proclamation of the gospel of Christ to close out the show. So open up your Bibles now and open your minds and let's have a great show. After the break, the next voice you hear be that of my co-host, Stanley Hubbard. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Shine from the shore. Shine the light. 
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now my co-host, Stanley Hubbard. Well, bless you, bless you today. This is Brother Hubbard of the Kingsley Terrace Church of Christ in the great city of Indianapolis, Indiana. We thank God for the opportunity for us to share together in the word of the living God. I challenge you whenever you have an opportunity to come to Indianapolis, make sure you find your way to the Kingsley Terrace Church of Christ. We're a church where God is glorified. The saints here are sanctified and our lives are changed. <clears throat> Share a word with you on the book of Hebrews. As I begin to anticipate sharing this word with you, I want to challenge you to be aware that there's a weapon that you could not beat. I want to share with you death the weapon you could not beat. I want you to hear the words of the Hebrew writer as he writes to us from the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, beginning at verse number 5. Hear the words of this great writer. <clears throat> it is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we're speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified, what is mankind that you're mindful of them, a son of man that you care for him? You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left them nothing that is not subject to them. Yet, at present, we don't see everything subject to them. What's the answer? Verse 9. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death. So that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. So that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. I want you to know that this text gives insight to why the Lord had to come. He came because we had an enemy. Do you understand your enemy? We actually, according to Ephesians chapter 2, have three enemies. He says in Ephesians 2, beginning at verse number 2, in which you used to live when you were followed by the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Paul identifies the threefold battle that we have. You're not just fighting with the devil. You're fighting with your flesh, you're fighting with the devil, and you're fighting with the ideology of the world that you're living in. If you're, not going, if you're going to be entangled in a war, you must understand your enemy. It is equally important to fully comprehend your enemy's weapons, devil, 
We're fighting with the devil, yes, but the word devil is the word diabolos. And, and the word diabolos identifies, the word literally means to slander. And that actually identifies the two core tasks that Satan has. He slanders God in front of us, and he slanders us in front of God. We should all understand that. If your enemy's greatest weapon was an atomic bomb or a grenade or nuclear bomb, you should, you should know that's the case of what you're fighting against. Do you know the devil's greatest weapons? He actually, in the case of Job, the Bible sees that God, the devil, slandered Job in front of God. He basically said, God, Job don't love you. He only does the stuff for you because what you do for him. And the moment you stop blessing him, he'll stop loving you. He slandered Job in front of God. In the same context, he slandered God in front of Eve. He told Eve, didn't God say you can eat of every tree in the garden? Eve said, every tree but the tree in the midst of the garden, or will surely die. And the devil said, you should not surely die. God knows the day you enter this tree, you will be like him. The slander. He's saying to Eve that God don't care nothing about you. All God's trying to do is trying to control you. If you want to be like God, all you got to do is eat of this tree. The devil slanders us in front of God and slanders us, slanders God rather, in front of us. Before Examine this. Let's understand how we got where we are and how messed up things really are. So I want you to understand this lesson in some four basic concepts. We broke it. He showed it. He flowed it and he throwed it. That means we sinned. He came to show us. He solved our problem. And now we win. First of all, I identified we broke it. We broke it. He shared in our sickness to regain what we actually had given up. You and I were made to dominate this world. Did you hear what verse 8 said? He put everything under your feet and putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, you don't even see yourself in the position of power where all things are subject to you anymore. You and I were made to dominate this world. Genesis said God made man to have dominion which means to rule, to govern, to command, to master, to lead, and to dominate. In other words, God made us to be in charge. It is the nature of man to be in charge. It's the nature of, of man to be the leader and to be in control. That's why you don't like people telling you what to do. You are made to control. You're made to dominate. You're made to rule, made to dominate the earth and all the things in the earth, not the people. Not men dominate your wives and men dominate your children. It's men and women are made to dominate this earth. It's not leading if it's about controlling based on your ignorance. We're called to lead like God. You know what God does? He loves the church into submission. He loves the church into submission. He doesn't threaten us. I don't worship God because he's going to send a lightning bolt to my house. I worship God because the Bible says it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance or to change. Everything, friend, initially... What God made, everything was made to respect and value you and me, mankind. You were made for greatness, to be the head and not the tail, to, to win and not to lose, to overcome even with strain, failure, disappointment, fear, anger, depression, anxiety, distrust, hate, pain. That was not made for us. Those are negative emotions that came after man's sin. Adam or Ish, his name, knew no failure and everything respected and valued him. 
The wind respected Adam. The birds, the oceans, the beasts, the land, sea, and air. Anything on land, everything in the sea, everything in the air respected Adam. Sharks, lions, bears, pythons, anacondas, ants, ticks, eagles, weaving the weather. When Adam and Eve sinned, they lost everything. So we inherited what was a broken system. They gave their children their own brokenness. We actually give the devil credit for things he don't deserve. Well, the devil's on my job, and the devil's trying to stop my car. My devil's working, trying to give me a hard time in my family. I got a devil living next door to my house. The devil's in the alcohol. The devil's in the drugs. The devil's in the bill collectors. The devil's in the politicians. It's social media devil's degrading me. You, you can begin to think the devil's biggest mission is to frustrate your life. To hurt your feelings and ruin your plans for a great success. I was going to have a successful business, but the devil blocked my business. The devil don't care about you having no business. Yes, Satan has power. But if you don't understand his power, how can you possibly plan to win? Satan is the author of sin, the author of rebellion. And sin brings us death. Satan exercises power in the realm of death. The devil uses the fear of death. To control you. Stop fearing death. Yes. We broke it. We broke it. But next of all, we identified he showed it. He showed up in our fight. The text gives the impression we threw our parents, Adam and Eve, lost everything. Angels, friend, cannot die. And when they sin, there is no forgiveness. Jesus, Jesus did not come to save angels. But to save us, to save us, he had to be like us. He had to be in the same realm as we're in. Through his death, he could defeat Satan by going to the place of death. Verse 14 said, all humans have flesh and blood. The text says Jesus partook, partook or shared. The word means to take hold of something that's not naturally yours. We, by nature, are flesh and blood. Christ willingly took hold of something, flesh and blood, which did not naturally belong to him. He added himself to our nature in order that he might die in our place, that we might take hold of the divine nature that did not belong to us. He took what was not his and gave us what was not ours. Once he came here, he first took back what he, what he had lost. Do you know how, how powerful you used to be? If you want to know the kind of power we would have had before sin, all you got to do is see what Jesus did. When you see what he did, you see what we were like. The Bible says that he went out on a storm. He said, peace be. He spoke to the wind. Peace be still. And the wind calmed down. That's the kind of power Adam had. The Bible says he made this, the water like a street. He walked on water. He had the power to tell the water to hold him up. So you can walk on the water. Matter of fact, he did even more than that. The Bible says that one time they asked him about paying taxes in Matthew chapter 17. And Jesus had a fish bring some money to give the pay the taxes. In Luke chapter 5, Peter's out there fishing. Had, had just come in from fishing all day and all, all night long, rather. He tells them, drop your nets. Well, Peter says, Lord, we've been fishing all night. Which basically says, Lord, you don't understand how fishing happens. we got to get out in the water. we got to slow the net down. Let the net pad fan all out. And we go for a period of time. And we pull it back in and catch the fish. You don't just drop the net outside the boat and pick up no fish. No, he didn't understand. He's talking to Jesus. What Jesus did, he told the net, the fish, to jump inside of the net. 
Birds even listened to what he had to say. The Bible identifies he set an alarm clock on a rooster, the crow, to remind Peter that Peter just denied him. He, de- he, he had a domesticated donkey wait for someone to come and get him so he can ride the donkey like an Uber in a town. Wild beasts, when he was tempted, were there with him. I want you to know all the power he had when he was here is the same kind of power that Adam had before. He destroyed. He broke the power uh, uh, the Bible says the word means to render inoperative. He, he rendered the devil inoperative. He did not annihilate him, but he made him of no effect. Jesus shut it down. He shut it all down. Yes, we broke it, but praise the Lord. He showed it. And then after that, I want you to see he, he fixed it for us. He, he, he showed up within our problem and he fixed it. And then after that, he takes us further. He showed out. On our benefit so he can win our battle and set us free to save us jesus had to leave a spiritual realm and come to a physical realm if you have more powerful weapons than your enemy his weapon becomes useless friend you can't fight somebody with the m16 if all you got is a spear satan's weapon is extremely powerful but the weapon that god had is even more powerful than that eternal life and with it, Jesus destroyed death. See, Satan's power over us had to be broken in order for us to be brought to God. His primary power over us and the supreme weapon the devil had is death. Sin gives Satan his power over us, but the power itself is death. See, Satan is the author. He's the author of sin. And sin brings death. So in this sense, Satan's exercises power in the realm of death. The death uses the fear. The devil uses the fear of death as a control weapon, as a terrible weapon to gain control over the lives of people. His kingdom is one of darkness and death. We who trust in Jesus have been delivered from Satan's authority and from the fear of death. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ has given us victory. Death was the most certain fact of life. All people die. Satan knew that people who stay out of fellowship with God would die and go out of the presence of God into a hell situation. All the devil wants to do is hold on to you until you die. Because once you are dead, the opportunity for salvation is gone forever. Men cannot escape death or escape after death. Houdini tried that. But, but it didn't work. Why? Because you can't fly without a plane and you can't come back without a body. So therefore, the goal of the devil is really to keep you out there. This is not personal. If you find yourself stuck in a room with a hungry lion, it ain't personal. You just look like a meal. The devil is not out to get you more than anybody else. Mess up your plans and mess up your family and mess up your relationship. All the devil is trying to do is get you to leave God long enough where you will lose your soul. That's his only plan. That's his only agenda. And everything he does is based on the premise of getting you to the place that that's what you actually do. You see, the only way way to destroy Satan is to rob him of his weapon, death. Physical death, spiritual death, eternal death. Satan knew God required death because of sin. And for that reason, the devil tries to use death on you. Stop being afraid of death and thank God that Jesus took away the power of death. And so the text concludes by saying we won out. He throwed it away. We have victory over death now. The devil uses FOMO to get to you now. Yes. 
You're fighting a world, and the, and the challenge the devil used against us is the same thing he used against Eve. We call it FOMO, F-O-M-O, the fear of missing out. The devil impacts my fear of missing out and the fear of death. We, we have this dual battle like our mother Eve had. See, Eve was told by the devil, see, God's trying to keep something from you. See, the, the God knows the moment you eat of this tree, you'll be like him. Snap, she says. Oh, wow. So you're saying that God is trying to keep something from me. I got the fear of missing out. I'm going to take that fruit because I'm missing out on something. Friend, understand that the devil is using the same trick on you right now. The way to eternal life is through resurrection, but the way to resurrection is through death. Sometimes people say, why did God take your mother, and why did that happen, so and so? How could God let that happen? Everybody dies. Everybody. It may be early, it may be late, you may not know when or where, but we will all die. And even the idea that God didn't start death, we started death. When Adam and Eve sinned, death came into the world. It's our fault. And we've carried that consequence. Stop blaming God for something God did not do. We broke it. But he showed up and came like us. And he flowed. He showed out and died for us. And he throwed it. He won out over death. Now death, where is your sting? Death. I ain't afraid of death. I'm a child of the living king. He has saved me. He has protected me. He's put me in a place that the worst thing can happen in my life is I get to go home. Don't let the devil trick you. He don't mind if you're a successful business person if it keeps you from God. He don't mind if you make a lot of bunch of money and because it'll keep you from God. He don't mind you taking your cruise trips and your vacations and, and now you finally got the money. You can travel all over the world. You ain't got to worship God no more. You can forget about God because I've made it. I've arrived. It's a trick. The greatest weapon the devil has is to get you to stay away from God until you die. Don't let him trick you and steal your soul. If you're not a part of the family of God, you got to believe that Jesus is the son of the living God. Have a change of mind. We call it repentance, saying no to sin, yes to God. No to my way, yes to God's way. Be willing to, to, to confess your belief. Once you've heard the word of God, repentance is saying no to your way. Confession really is not just saying I believe that Jesus, the son of the living God, is declaring actually that Jesus is my curios. He's my Lord and my Savior. My Savior means he saves my soul. He's also my Lord. What does that mean? Calling Jesus Lord. Lord means it's your curios. He's the one that tells you what to do, where to do, why to do, and how to do it. And once you make the great confession, you decided to die. And we bury you. We'll bury you immediately in the water of grave baptism. You can rise to walk in a brand new life. All things can be now, become new. You ain't worried about death. You're not worried about nothing. But please the one who's blessed you. My challenge to you, let God bless you, let him hold you, let him give you strength. Don't fear death. May God bless you. May God give you strength. May God give you peace. Be blessed. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. It ain't easy. 
listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Shout it out question. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a question from my social media platform on Facebook that we want to pose to my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington. How you doing, Brother Frank? I'm doing fantastic, Brother Stevie B. Pleasure to be on your show again and hear your voice again, my brother. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Now, this question is a doozy. I've never heard a question like this one before. I think you're going to really enjoy this question. Now, the question is, can I belong to the universal church and not a local church? What say you to this question? Well, Stevie, this is a very good question. You know, can I belong to the universal church and not a local church? There's been, you know, a little bit of discussion about this particular topic because most members may not understand or know about the universal versus the local church. But I hope I can, you know, bring some light on this uh, as best I can. But the nature of the church that Christ built uh, can be discerned when consider the meaning of the word church itself. We all know, and and we preach it all the time, the Greek word ekklesia, which means an assembly, which is used most frequently in the New Testament in two senses. One, universal. The second, local. Now, the universal, uh, that company of souls redeemed by the blood of Christ, and the local are Christians in a geographical area that work and worship together as a congregation of God's people. Now, Considering the other terms that enhance the view of the church is the body of Christ. We all know that. The household of God, the temple of God, the pillar and ground of the truth, the kingdom of Christ, the bride of Christ. Now, these expressions um, reveal different aspects of the Lord's assembly. And our understanding uh, of the nature of the church can also be enhanced by contrasting the church universal with the church local. Uh, noting how the New Testament carefully delineates uh, between the two. Now, in in, in the lesson or in this question tonight, um, I want to uh, let us, hopefully we understand which church is universal and the difference from the church that's local. And we do that by looking at, first of all, universal. Again, the church universal is composed of all Christians, all Christians. This is the church in which Jesus referred to in Matthew 16, 18. And as, already, and as I've already noted, it's made up of all the saved, all the saved, living and dead. There's all, and next, there's only one church. Uh, remember, the universal church is called the body of Christ, Ephesians 1, 22 through 23. And there is only one body, therefore only one church. And it began on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem, following the death, resurrection, and ascension of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And and as Peter uh, later referred to this day, it was the beginning. So 
when it began on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, verse 147, and it said that the Lord added to the church. That's the next part. You enter only by being added to or, or are added by the Lord. You cannot join the universal church. You cannot join the church by your own volition. You are added by the Lord himself when you are saved. When you are, when, when you, uh, through faith, through repentance, confession, and baptism, you are saved. Acts chapter 2, 41, 47. You are saved. That's how you are entered in because the Lord adds you to that number. Acts 2, 41, 47. The Lord adds you to that number. And then the Lord keeps the books of membership. There's no agency on earth that keeps the registry of, uh, of all the members. Now, it, it consists of all the saved. We must be in this church to be saved. We must, one must, a person must be in this church to be saved. For the Lord is the Savior of the body, which is his church, Ephesians 5.23. And so since the Lord adds one to his church when they are saved, one cannot be saved and not be in the church universal. Now, I'm I'm hearing some silence out there, but don't worry. I'll get to your answer in just a minute. It has no earthly organization. The universal church has no earthly organization. There is no earthly headquarters for that church. There's no telephone number you can call, you know, and speak to the head of the church. You can't do that. The universal church cannot be divided. There is no earthly organization to divide the universal church. If the vision appears to exist, some unscriptural organization of churches must have been created. And such an organization can have division, but the Lord's church, universal, cannot. Now, those who seek to divide the church through through doctrine and conduct and all that other stuff are simply cut off by the Lord himself. And there, but there will always be one body. And death does not affect your membership. Death does not affect membership in the universe. Now, those are just a few things about the true nature of the church universe. Now, let's contrast that with the church local. It is Christians in one location. A local church is made up of Christians in geographical areas. It could be one or more, like Burger King or McDonald's. You can have a McDonald's on this corner. You can have a a McDonald's on that corner, but they're all McDonald's. A local church is made up of Christians in one geographical area. For example, um, the church at Corinth, the church at uh, Thessalonica, the church at Lyceria, the churches in Asia. But in contrast, the Church Universal is made up of Christians everywhere. Okay? Now, there are many churches, as Paul referred to in Romans 16, 16, all those local churches that he wrote about. And again, when he wrote in Galatians 1 and 2, but when it comes to the Church Universal, there is just one. So, and it begins whenever people themselves join together. In the local sense, it becomes a local church, begins whenever people join themselves together. You can't join the universal. But as the gospel spreads and people respond to the gospel, those in a particular area start or begin a local church. 
when they agree to work together as as one. And you enter that church by joining that church. If you are a member, you can join that church. When you wish to become an accepted member of a local church, you must you can join yourself to that church, such as Paul sought to do when he came to the church in Jerusalem. Whereas one is added, okay, one is added by the Lord to the universal, you can join a, a, church, a local congregation if its members are, are willing to accept you. Now, the local church is consistent of both saved and lost. Since enrollment occurs through human judgment, fallible decisions can be made. A local church may therefore uh, have some who are nominal Christians in Romans or Revelation 3. It has some hypocrites in there. They may be members of local churches, but they don't uh, sneak by the Lord to become members of the universal church. They can't do that. But And, and, and even then, uh, sometimes people are rejected, uh, but they should be received. Uh, but we have not in not in our not in our denomination not in our churches, but evil men may succeed in kicking one out of the local church, but only the Lord determines who stays in the universal church. So let me add, let me let me move to this point. Do you have to be a member? Can you be a member of the universal and not the local? Well, you don't have to be in this particular church to be saved. Now, let me keep it in perspective. One, a person can be saved and not belong to any local church. When you are saved, and hear me good, track this with me. When you are saved, when you, when, when faith comes upon you that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you confess, you, re, you repent, and you're baptized, you are saved being saved, learning more and more about the gospel lifestyle, learning more and more on what God expects for us to do and for you to do. But such was the case of the Ethiopian eunuch. Following, following his conversion, the, the Bible says he went on his way rejoicing. We don't know whether or not he was a, a, a member of a local congregation or not. But, of course, this should be temporary. If you are not a member of a local congregation, you should be a part of a local congregation. Because being a part of a local congregation helps grow you spiritually. It helps you grow in your faith. It helps you grow in your lifestyle. You have uh, brothers and sisters who can pray for you and help you and be accountable for you. Well, no, you don't have to be in that local church be saved. You are saved and in the universal church, but you do not have to be in that church in order to be saved. I hope I got that clear. And again, but I hope if you're not in a local church, you know, you should make that a temporary thing and try to get into uh, a local church, a good Bible-believing uh, local church uh, as soon uh, as possible. Uh, in the local church, it has earthly. Or, it's an earthly organization. It's a local uh, that's strictly organized. It should have, you know, shepherds. It should have deacons, uh, teachers, and those shepherds are called elders. Uh, they're pastors, 
and whose role is to oversee and feed uh, the local congregation. And the only role or position ever given men over the universal church on earth was the apostles. And they were not replaced when they died. If you look at James, uh, James in Acts chapter uh, 12 and verse number 2. Now, the local church can be divided. Local churches can easily be divided over doctrine, over traditions. And we got so many traditions in our churches today, traditions or personalities. And such was the case with the church at Corinth. If you, you know, read your Bible, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. But while we can't divide the universal church, we can be responsible for dividing uh, the local church. Now, to illustrate the difference between the church universal and the church local, then the, this, this message is yours. The church universal is composed of all Christians. There's just one. began on the day of Pentecost. Enter only by being added by the Lord. The Lord keeps the books of membership, consists of all the saved. You must be in this uh, universal to be saved has no earthly organization, can't be divided. Death doesn't affect membership. The local is composed of Christians in one location. There are many and begins when people join together, enter by joining themselves, asking to be a member of your congregation. You're enrolled by human judgment. It consists of both saved and lost, and you do not have to be in this one to be saved. It has an earthly organization, can be divided, and death does not affect membership. Now, one could say that a difference between the two is this. The church universal, in essence, concerns our relationship with Christ. The church local basically concerns our relationship with one another. Let me say that again. One can say that a key difference between the two is the church universal, in essence, concerns our relationship with Christ. And the church local basically concerns our relationship with one another. Now, of course, our service in the latter can certainly affect our standing in the former. So my question to you is, is our relationship with Christ and each other what it should be? I hope this answers your question. If not, you can send me an email or, or text or something, and, and, and I will be more than happy to clarify whatever I need to clarify so that you can understand uh, the, difference, the difference between the universal and the local. If you're not a member of the body of Christ, then you should be. But through faith, uh, repentance, confession, and baptism, you are added by the Lord to that one body. If you live right, stay faithful to God's word, and in the end, he will say, well done. If that's all, Stay in God's grip. Shout it out question. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. I know Lord. I know the Lord. He'll take care. He'll take care. Take care of me. Yes, he will. I know the Lord. I know the Lord. He'll take care. He'll take care. Take care of me. Oh, yes. He will. Oh, when I'm down oh, yes. to my last time, oh, yes. I call on you. Oh, 
Listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. This is a program reminder. Stevie B's Me Production presents. We're airing live shows here on Blog Talk Radio. The telephone number to the live show is 713 955 0508. And the website is www.blogtalkradio.com. 
forward slash gospel light radio show. On Tuesday evening, we're hosting live shows every second, third, and fourth Tuesday of the month. The second Tuesday of the month, the show airs from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And we have a guest speaker from the Brotherhood of the Churches of Christ who will be making that proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And also during that show, we have the Community Corner segment for small business owners and entrepreneurs who have products and services for our community. I also have two co-hosts on that show, Luke Gilbert. He's the evangelist for the Open Park Church of Christ there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And Isom Mullins, he serves the Church of Christ there in Cary, North Carolina. Then the third Tuesday of the month, that show will air at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And my co-host, Dr. Antherica Lane, she's a board-certified obstetrician and gynecologist. She serves at the Great Road Church of Christ there in Cincinnati, Ohio. And she'll be hosting her show, Conversations with Dr. Lane. And the fourth Tuesday of the month, that show will air at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And my co-host, Kelly Fletcher, she serves the Livingstone Church of Christ there in Indianapolis, Indiana. And she'll be hosting her show, The Kelly Fletcher Show. Then on Thursday evening, each week from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, I'll be hosting a live show, the Gospel Light Radio Show. And there's eight co-hosts on that show, Clay Phillips, Jesus Al Ford, Dr. Frank Washington Jr., Steve Cordo, Stanley Hubbard, Robert Lee Johnson, Glenn McMillian, and Brian Christian Coleman. And on that show, two of my co-hosts will be on that show each week with me, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. I also have a question that I'll be taking from my social media platform on Facebook called Shout It Out that I'll be posing to one of my co-hosts on that live show as well. Then on Friday night, I'll be hosting a live show from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 p.m., Central Standard Time. I'll be hosting a live show with Stevie B, a fellow gospel leader blast. And this radio show, the 2022 recipient for the LaCama National Academy of Christian Acapella Music Artists Award for Outstanding Achievement in Record or Radio. And on this show, I'm playing some of the world's greatest acapella gospel music artists, the Sweet Sounds of Forces, and we're also interviewing artists, producers, writers, and we're debuting new music and featuring old music on this broadcast as well. Every third Friday of the month, I'm doing the Top 20 Countdown Show. We also have on-demand episodes where you're getting your favorite podcast from. Just search for Stevie B's new production on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Apple iTunes, just to name a few. And we'd like to thank our sponsors who are sponsoring these radio shows. If you'd like to become a sponsor, just contact my sponsorship manager, Michelle Marco, from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Her telephone number is 954-687-4705. The three E's of Stevie B Media Production, it is the objective of this broadcast. We want to educate, we want to edify, we want to encourage you in a study of God's Word. And that will conclude our program announcements. You're listening to the Gospel Live Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. With all the talk, what is your goal? With all the talk, what is your goal? With all the talk, what is your goal? Now that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know that heaven is my goal. No matter what they're saying, call me and I'll go. I'll tell you, I'm not saying. Lord, I hear the streets are paved for pure and gold. Breath of God blows gently through my soul. Pearly gate shine sparkles on a rainbow beam. Lord, I give my all to you. Please make my dreams come true. That's the talk, yes. 
Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now my co-host, Clay Phillips. Good evening. I am Brother Clay Lee Phillips, minister here at the Rose City Church of Christ, where everyone is somebody, and Jesus Christ is Lord. We are a Bible-believing church. We believe in speaking with the Bible speaks and being silent with the Bible is silent. We're church bound for heaven. We're not guessing that we're going. We know we are going to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I want to thank uh, all 
and the brethren for their participation in a marvelous job and preaching and expounding on God's word. I want to thank Steve for uh, his dedication in getting out the word of God through this broadcast, Block Talk Radio Show, and my privilege to be able to come. I want to say, first of all, that uh, this month, uh, October the 22nd, 5 o'clock, my wife and I have been married 47 years, 47 years. And uh, God has been good to us, and I just want to uh, look at the Word of God from the standpoint I think it's advantageous for us as Christians. Uh, when we consider Christ and the church. And so I want you to turn your Bible now with me to the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter, Ephesians chapter 5. Everybody turn their Bibles now with me to Ephesians chapter 5. I want to commence reading at verse 22, and we're going to read on down to verse 33, uh, these 10 verses lost will. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. But notice what it says here. I want you to notice this. I'm going to make reference to this. Uh, as unto the Lord. Let me read that one more time. As unto the Lord. Then it says, for the husband is the head of the wife, even, did not notice now, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husband in everything. Uh, husbands, Love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Then it says, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourish and cherish it even as the Lord, the church, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Now notice the verse number 32. It says, this is a great mystery. I want to deal with that mystery on this evening. This is a great mystery. Hard to understand. If anybody been married for any length of time, any length of time, <laughs> come here. You know it's hard to understand. It says this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, 
let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. Thus is the reading of our scripture. I want to use the advocate of our message today, the marital responsibility of the husband. Uh, and I want to use it in comparison with the marital responsibility of Christ. Wow. This is this is a powerful message. Uh, when I counsel people to get married, my objective is to convince them, like Paul, <laughs> not to get married. Do, do y'all really want to hit it? Do y'all really want to get married? Uh, I, I I try to make sure they understand. The Apostle Paul said. In First Corinthians, let's go to First Corinthians chapter seven. And before we look at uh, hermeneutics, First uh, Corinthians chapter seven, and we're gonna look at verse one. First Corinthians chapter seven and the verses number one. And look at the Apostle Paul. Now, now what this is encouraging is it lets you know you don't have, before you get married, you need to understand that you don't understand. <laughs> let the let the Bible speak, Brother Traley. Everybody that listen to me right now, at this moment, you need to understand that you don't understand what all this is about. You, you, you really don't understand getting married. You really don't know what you're getting into because it's a mystery about Christ. It's illustrating about the church. And so marriage is so powerful that the Pope Paul is teaching us that listen, you don't you don't have to be married to understand what marriage is and is not, because Pastor Paul was not married. Hello, and he gave uh, everybody advice about marriage. <laughs> it always somebody that's not married trying to tell somebody about the Pastor Paul was moved by the Holy Spirit. Look at First Corinthians chapter seven. Paul said, "Not concerning things." Where you wrote unto me. It is not good that a man should touch a woman. <laughs> Paul helped, Paul said, uh, let us get an understanding of something. First of all, it is not good that man should touch a woman. First, uh, up front, he's saying, my concern is that you are not concerned enough. <laughs> see, you, you are, see, there's something on the inside of us that called lust, and lust would cause us to look upon a woman, a woman look upon us, and then that, that's what be our desire. But here, we must understand, the Apostle Paul said, listen, you, you need to understand, you don't, first of all, you don't understand. It says, now, but verse 2 says, nevertheless, in First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 2 says, nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Why? To avoid fornication. Hello? This is the whole reason. He said, I'm teaching you understanding, first of all, you don't understand how to be a husband. Number one, because you do, if you did understood it, you wouldn't get married. <laughs> 
because the sacrifice is so powerful. He said, let, he said, let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife had no power of her own body but the husband. And likewise, also the husband had no power of his own body, uh, but the wife. In other words, he wants you to understand the, the drasticness. He says, defraud ye not one another. He said, now, if you got to do it, do it for a season, except be content for a time, that you may be, uh, that you give yourself the fasting and prayer. And you, you, you talk about the seriousness of marriage. <laughs> Come here. We need to understand now the seriousness of marriage. Uh, the marital responsibility is no joke. It's nothing to play with. You better call somebody, because you husband and wife, sit down and watch this, listen to this. It says, defraud you not one another, except be consent for a time that you may give yourself to fasting and prayer and come together again that Satan Satan, tempt you not for your inconsistency. But I speak this by permission, not a commandment. For I would that all men were even as I myself. Pastor <laughs> Paul said, now listen, this thing called marriage. Now what he's doing, he's helping us understand the seriousness of church, husband and your wife, even as Christ loved the church. Christ is married to the church. And so we need to understand the this, this severityness of the church. He said, Paul said, I would that all men was even as myself, but every man have his proper gift of God. One after this manner and another after that. I say, therefore, to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. Here's somebody that's not married trying to tell us how to get married and telling us the severity of marriage. Why? Because the apostle Paul was moved by the Holy Spirit. God used him for this purpose. In other words, it is so imperative that you need to understand what marriage is before you get married. You need to prepare for marriage. How do you know? Because you go back to Genesis chapter, uh, Genesis chapter 2. Let's go all the way back to Genesis chapter 2. Let me share that to you. All right. Genesis chapter 2 and verses number 15 uh, through 18. In other words, a man, a man that is willing to get married need to understand that's a very to marriage before you get married. There's some things you need to have in place. There are some things you need to have in place before you get married. Hello? Let's look at Adam then. Let's see what the Bible says that. In, in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. And the Lord took the man and put him into the garden of Eden now, here, God picked the man. In other words, first of all, men, you need to understand, you need to allow God to take control of your life. <laughs> Let the Bible speak. Sisters, sister girl, if your man, 
don't attend some kind of worship service, something church, anyway, have some kind of religious background, seeking God, having God reaching out to him, prayerfully understanding his responsibility as a man. The Apostle Paul said, listen, you don't have to be married to understand what marriage is. I'm not married, and I would to God that you remain like me, but I know you can't do it because you're looking at them girls. And you've got to be married. There's someone inside of us. I've been married to my wife 47 years, October 22nd, 5 o'clock. I was 13 when I saw her at the fair. Her cousin and I were walking around having a good time at the fair, and I looked over and saw this young lady. I said, who's that girl up? And they told me, that's my cousin. I said, I got to get those digits. Hello? So I've I seen her, and I got to have her. But you need to have something in your mind. Women, sisters, God is telling us, you need, he showed us the example. He said, now, look what he did to Adam. Look what he did to Adam. He said, and, and the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden. He gave him a job. <laughs> he gave him a job. God will put you, let, let God put your man where he wanted him to be. And he put him in the garden. <laughs> uh, in the garden of Eden, where things can grow. A man needs to understand he needs to be where he can cultivate and that for things can grow. In other words, as a man, I have to be mindful that as I have to set up my home for children can grow. You gotta get a you gotta get a playroom before you even get your Ooh, You gotta you gotta prepare. But how you know? It says here, put them in the garden. It's in the Bible. In the garden to do two things. Two things, to dress it and to keep it. So man needs to understand to dress it, to, to, to tend to it, to cultivate it, to make sure that the God. Ladies, you need to, what do you mean by cultivate? You need, your man needs to be up in the service of the Lord, serving the Lord, cultivating his life. Cultivated what God wants him to do. Quit jumping up and getting married to these men that are not cultivating their lives. Hello? The marriage of responsibility of a man is serious. And if I, and that, now notice that Adam had, uh, had not received his Eve at this point. So God took him, put him in, to, put him in the garden to do two things to dress it, to tend to it, cultivate it, to keep it. Amen? To keep it. In other words, when you get married, it is for keepsakes. We'll get to that later on. When you get married, you get married to keep her ever until you die, until Christ come back. When you get married, let me say one more time. When you get married, it is for keepsake. Hello? Look at that. Then the Bible says, verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden that is in the midst 
of the God. You may freely eat. So give man his commandment. He give man his law. Your man need to know the law of God. Your man, I'm, all, I'm being straight up with you guys. Your man need to know the law of God. Until he knows the law of God. Why you marry him? Is he serving the law? Is he reading his Bible? Then verse number 17 says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For the day that you eat of it, therefore thou shalt surely die. In other words, if you do not follow the principles of God in your life, in your marriage, you're going to surely die. And not only, listen, not talking about, it's a marriage, it's not talking about marriage because you weren't married here. It's about in your life. In your own personal life. You need to have your personal life together. Then he's in verse number 18. And the Lord God said, now this is what God said, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. And I'm not saying not good for man to be alone as in he can't accomplish anything good. That's not what we're talking about. He's talking about that you need some emotional, God created us in his image. And, and we need some emotional support. We need somebody to help us. Then it says, I will make him a help me for him. So now let's go back to Ephesians. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter <clears throat> uh, 5 again. So let's go back here. Now, let me say this here. Let me say this here. Uh, it is so imperative that we understand the severity of marriage that uh, when you get married, you need to understand the ceremony of marriage. When, when I do a ceremony, I always uh, I, I start out like this. Dearly beloved, we are gathered together here in the sight of God and in the face of this company to join together this man and woman in holy matrimony, which is an honorable state instituted of God, signifying unto us the mystical union that is betwixt Christ and his church. The only way you're going to really appreciate the church oneness is understand that the husband and wife become one. <laughs> Come here. Amen? That the husband and wife become one. It says, put your, notice what it says, put your, Holy estate, this holy estate called marriage. Jesus went to a wedding, and that's where he started his ministry. At a wedding. The Bible teaches us that Christ adorned and uh, beautified with the, the, the wedding itself. Listen, listen. It is not the dress that make the wedding popular. It is not the suits and the clothing. It is even though those are nice, those are good. But what makes the wedding awesome is the presence of Christ. Y'all remember the wedding? The Bible says that Jesus was invited to a wedding, went to the wedding, and they ran out of wine. And Mary, his mother, said, uh, Jesus, 
fuck, come here, come here. They run out of wine. Uh, uh, wine here is a, a representation of cultivating the garden. Let me say it one more again. Wine here is a uh, explaining to us that they cultivated God, but they didn't cultivate it enough. They they ran out of wine, and Mary said. Son, they ran away. Jesus, what that got to do with me? My time is not yet. I'm not finna get married today. This is not my wedding. <laughs> I'm not getting married at this moment. Oh, I'm gonna get married now. Oh yes, sir. I'm gonna get married. But this is not my wedding. What that got to do with me? And then she walked off, like my mothers do, uh, whatever. And said, whatever he tell you to do, do. They got barrels. Of water, and they went, filled them up, and when they started drinking, the wine was better than the first. You always give the uh, the best wine first. Now, so here uh, we must understand that as we look carefully at this, the wine. So when Jesus at the wedding and turned water into wine, that demonstrated what what. Can Jesus do for your life? The presence of Christ can turn the water into wine. Anything in your marriage that you're going through, hustling and bustling and going through, allow Jesus. Give him the presence. Make sure he's in your marriage. Make sure he's there. The presence of Christ is there. The Pope Paul said, to be honorable to my marriage amongst all men. Therefore, it is not by any to be any unadvisably, lightly, reverent. Now, this is what I, I tell when I'm doing the wedding. Uh, soberly and in the fear of God. Because when you back up to verse number 21, uh, Ephesians 4, uh, Ephesians 5, where this is submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So here, the problem with the church, why the church is so, um, people are leaving, uh, leaving the church uh, because they're leaving the standards of God, marriage. The, the, the problem with the church is that we don't understand that we are the salt and the light. We think we're supposed to separate ourselves from the weddings. <laughs> We think we're supposed to separate ourselves from man, but we are the light of the world. Jesus said in Matthew 28, he told us, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature that believes in it, baptized every saint. Our responsibility is to put the salt on the meat. We're too afraid to put the salt on the meat. In the world in darkness, what we should be doing? We're the light of the world. We should shine. Jesus went to the wedding and made wine. I'm not going to argue with you about whether it was intoxicated wine or, or whatever. All I know is it came from the God. <laughs> it was cultivated from the God. I'm not going to argue with folks about whether it was it, uh, Brother Phillips, was it uh, intoxicated wine? I don't know and pretty much don't care. I want to know how to cultivate the wine. Gillian, when he was in, when there was 
persecuting Israel, the Philistines. Gillian was in, he was uh, in the wine press. And the Bible called him a valued man, a man that working, doing the will of God, a man that's awesome, doing God's will. Okay, let's go to the Bible now. Get some, look at some of uh, exegesis. Uh, let's look at now verse 22. Now, want, there are two things about verse 22. I want you to understand that. Now, all verses have targets. When I was in school, they were talking about, look for the target of text. Now, verse number 22 of chapter 5 of Ephesians says, uh, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord. There are two things. That number one target, capital A, is this is a comparative clause. This is a comparative clause. What do you mean by that? It is comparing uh, Christ, the church, to the bride, and Christ is the husband. So we are married to Christ. And the oneness of it is so imperative that we, we that it, it take me a year to go through all this, but I want to help you out, understand some things here. Just, just understand where we're going with the mystery, okay? So, so in comparison, meaning that there's some things you learn in your marriage that should help you understand what the church is all about. Husband, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church, okay? So it is comparative. Clause. Not only is it a comparative clause, what do you mean by comparative clause, Brother Philip? It means that you have to always be obedient to God rather than man. Your husband, yes, he, he's uh, in charge of you. He's, he's the one that God has placed over you. Amen? He's the one that is the, the, the next part of the text. Help us understand that he, he is the, the second target is that he is the, the band director. <laughs> he is the one that directs us. But you have to also be mindful that even though the husband directs you, if he does not direct you in the will of God, the Bible says in the book of Acts, chapter 5, verse 29, we ought to obey man or obey God rather than man. So when it comes down to the obeying God rather than man, we need to be mindful that your husband is a man, and there's only so much authority God has given him to be able to teach and talk. Because somebody said, well, uh, the, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, heaven, you know what it is, uh, the, the husband is sanctified by the wife, wife is sanctified by the husband. Now, sanctification is talking about separation. It's talking about you, you, your husband helped the wife separate the good from the bad. And the wife had the husband separate the good from the bad. That's what it teaches. Teaching, learn how to separate the good from the bad. Because it says in verse number 21, go back to 21, submitting yourselves one to another, one to another in the fear of God. So we're talking, remember now, it's dealing with the church. So whatever the manifestation here is talking about and revealing, we must always remember, is dealing with the church. 
This is a great mystery. It's talking about the body of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. Notice now in verse number 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he gave himself for it, up for the body. He's the savior of the body. What do you mean by he's the savior of the body? Come here, let me help you out. It means that he is divinely appointed to die for that. Maybe you already know, Jesus was divinely appointed. It was in the mind of God before he created the whole world, the world that Jesus was going to be appointed to die for the bride. There's nothing that a husband should neglect doing to benefit that divine calling of God. Not only that, not only that, he is the protector. He is the protector. Understand this. Let me say this. Let me say this. Uh, that means that he is inseparable. Come here. Come here. Let me help you out. That he is inseparable. That you cannot separate them. How do you know? Let's read it. This is what the Bible says. Husband, love your wives, even if Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify, cleanse it with the washing of water by the way, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle in it that's thing, but that, that it shall be holy and without blame. So what men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Now, what he's saying here, what, what does all that mean, Brother Phillips? Okay, let's go back and look at what he's talking about that he might set, present it to himself a glorious church. What do you mean by that? That, that it do the impossible. <laughs> okay, okay. That to do the impossible, Jesus came and died for the church because no one else could do it. To do the impossible. To raise the dead. When, when marriages go dead, the only way you can get that thing, that marriage back up is in the presence of Jesus. Because he died. He died for his church. He died for his people. And you have to put Christ back in the presence of the marriage. And then, and only then can you grow. Only then can you see what's going on here. The responsibility is for the man to understand that that he, that the wife benefit from him and he and she benefit from you. The policy is to help one another out. It is a conversion. It is a conversion. What do you mean by that? Notice in verse 26. Okay, let me show it to you. Verse 26. Look at verse 26. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing uh-oh, of the water by the word. My sins is washed away. I'm con- I am converted. A conversion. When I come to Christ, when you come to Christ and, and baptize, you, you hear, believe, Repent, confess, and be baptized. Let me tell you all a secret. That is the same thing the husband and wife have to do. 
to manifest their marriage, to grow in their, in their marriage. For, for your marriage to make a turn, you have to hear, believe, <laughs> repent, confess, and be baptized, be emerged into the love that you once loved that man. And then after you're in Christ, then you'll never be baptized again. You have to come, you come to the altar and remember that that brother done you wrong, you done something, that brother, leave your gift at the altar. Amen? Leave your gift at the altar. Leave your bride at the altar. Leave your husband at the altar. And you go get that right, and then you come back to the altar. Woo! All right, okay. Listen, listen. Let me go a little further then. Y'all ready for this? Look at number verse 27. That it might sanctify it. Now, it means one. It to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and good. Now, now, uh, Verse twenty-seven deal with the um, the virginity of virtue. It deal. Let me say it again. It deal with the the virginity of virtue. The presence of presenting her to his family. That this is a chaste girl. Now that that's impossible if you already have participated in sexual activity. But in the mind of God, come here, if you learn to forgive one another, learn, understand, you can take that marriage and present it as a chaste virgin. That's Bible. That's what he's he saying here. Let me tell you how I know. Because the church, church what some of you, liars, homosexuals, bot, uh, adulterers, but you came in Christ, and he brought you out of darkness of his light. Everybody up in the church have done something wrong. I said, everybody, don't you let anybody tell you, I ain't never done nothing wrong. Yes, you did. Yes, you have. Okay, let me read it further. Y'all ready for this? It says, so want men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Now, what are you doing here, about? He's talking about... Uh, from verse 29 to verse 31, and I got to wrap it up. Verse 29 to verse 31, he's dealing with uh, uh, the substitution of Mary. I, that is substantiate. Okay. To substantiate. Don't you know that when you're baptized, you become a child of God? You become God DNA. Hello? You become God DNA. Now, what do you mean, Brother Phillips? It's substantiate that you are part of the body. How do you know? Look at verse 29 again. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, his own DNA. But nourish it, cherish it, even as the Lord of the church. For Christ is the head of the church. And we are part of his body, his DNA. Woo! Could call them mine. Isn't that awesome? People, isn't that awesome? To be a part of God's DNA? That is a marvelous thing to understand. That's my child. That's my 
child. How? Because the DNA says so. We belong to God. We hear, believe, repent, confess, and baptize. The DNA. Verse 30 says, for we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bone. We are his DNA. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall become one flesh. Hello, that's in the Bible. They too shall become one flesh. Now, listen, how did that happen? I don't know. What I've been told is that you take husband and wife, and they make one baby. Uh, That baby that come in have the DNA of the husband and the wife, and that baby become the mother and the father. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? That baby becomes the mother and the father. When the mother, let me say it one more again, because y'all like y'all in there understand this. When the when the mother and the father consummate the marriage, that baby becomes the mother and the father. When you hear, believe, repent, confess, and baptize, you become the DNA of God. Now, let me wrap this up. Let me wrap this up. Let me say this. He says in verse 32, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. He said, all the other stuff, you know, battling, I, I know Jesus um, with Pharisees, and he's talking to them. They, they try to keep them and say, Moses said, y'all know the story. Moses said, um, if the woman be caught in adultery, Put away for air cars. And Jesus, no, y'all started that. <laughs> you guys started that, not the air car stuff. But for fornication, that's on the cause. Fornication, adultery, that, that is idolatry spiritually. Now, then in Mark chapter 10, his disciples said, well, who then can be married? If that be the case? Jesus said, every man can't receive the same. Well, well, well Jesus, no. You said, uh, he said, I'm telling you, the, the pattern is that when you get married, you stay married. That's the pattern. Now, all this other stuff y'all doing, uh, you need some grace and mercy. So then it goes and says in verse number 33, and I'm going to stop. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. The word see come etymological means, the etymology or etymological means uh, to understand that she reverenced her husband. Just like Sarah called Abraham Lord, she understood her responsibility to reverence him. She understood that. Why? Because, now remember now what God called Abraham, he called Abraham to make sure that Abraham understood that you, I'm going to bless you from generation to generation to generation. You will be a blessed nation from generation to generation to generation. So to understand that now, I want you to understand that. 
So let me read that one more time. It says, Nevertheless, let every one of you, in particular, so love the wife, even as himself, and the wife see, she understand, that she reverence her husband. Now, why reverence her husband? Because, now, calling him Lord is uh, the custom. Okay, we're not dealing with anything. I don't call him Lord. Uh, Just call me honey. Be fine. I don't play. My wife called me honey. That's fine. It, but it's a reverence in behind the name. You can call me a God Almighty and then don't care nothing about me. Okay? So it's not talking about uh, uh, getting particularly about the name calling. Okay? Uh, especially mother names y'all call one another. We call one another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the bottom line is God told Abraham, I'm going to bless you. Bless your seed. But now, but if you read the first verse of chapter 6, you miss, that's what we got to be careful about. Okay, let's see what it says. Because remember that the Bible is not written in book, chapter, and verse. It's written in scroll. Then it says, in verse number one, it said, children. <laughs> Abraham, children. The ch- children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee, that thou mayest live alone on the earth. That's what he told Abraham. Abraham, I'm going to bless your seed, and they're going to be blessed. But now your servant will have issues if they don't reverence. If your if the wife doesn't reverence the husband, not that you, you are, he's your boss. That's not what he's teaching about. Come on, people. You're not telling my, I'm my wife's boss. Is speaking of that I love her enough to be her beneficiary. <laughs> I love her enough to be her beneficiary. In other words, I will give up all I got, even my life, for my wife. That's what true love is. That's what being husband and wife is, that you learn to give up. Did, did Abraham... Make mistakes, yeah, he, he lied. Abraham, he lied, then he lied. That's my sister, because he was scared. Abraham did some stuff, had sex with the maid. He knew he wasn't to do that, but he did. And so that's why we got these two nations. That's struggling now. And fighting against one another now because of that. Woo! The marital responsibility of the husband is the same responsibility that Christ demonstrated for his church. Husband, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church, the people in particular. He wants us to understand that we are his bride. I'm your speaker, Brother Clay Phillips. Remember this. Keep it real. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give me a song to sing. 
when I'm in the middle. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. I want to thank you for spending a little time with us this evening in a study of God's Word. I want to thank both my co-hosts, Stanley Hubbard and Clay Phillips, for that great job they did on this broadcast. What a blessing. I also want to thank my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington Jr., for answering that shout-out question. That was a great question as well. We really do appreciate everyone who participated on the show this evening. It is my prayer that the lessons that were given on this show have been beneficial to your spiritual lives and your relationship with the Lord has been strengthened because you not only tuned in this radio broadcast, but you've given yourself over to a study of God's Word. So until we meet again, I pray God's continual blessings upon your lives and that he bless you real, real good. You've been listening to The Gospel Live radio show on behalf of my co-host. We really do appreciate your love and support for these programs. I'm your host, Stephen R. Butler. Good night, everybody. God bless you. You're listening to The Gospel Light Radio Show.
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.